Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be here tonight. Amen. And appreciate the singing. Father, in the time we have together tonight, we pray that you talk, talk to us and touch our hearts. And say something tonight, Lord, that will reach us where we are. Thank you for the privilege. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, O God, in thy sight. Amen. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of St. John tonight. The Gospel of St. John. Not the Gospel of St. John tonight. I haven't seen that version yet. But uh, the Gospel of St. John chapter 5, if you will. And, and I'd like to read up till verse 9 for time here tonight. After these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I'm reading from the NASB. Um, now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons in the pool and stood up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in it, was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well, and he picked up his pallet and began to walk. Amen. That's all we'll read tonight. This appears to be the last incident recorded in the first year of our Lord's ministry. The place is in Jerusalem, and the occasion is he's on his way to attend a feast. doesn't tell us which feast it is, most likely feast of the Passover, we do not know. This is also the fourth in John's selection of signs. John will give us uh, in his writing seven signs. The other apostles or writers calls them miracles. John says they are signs. And he selected uh, seven in the ministry of Jesus to show that he is indeed the Son of God and that if we believe that we will have eternal life. And this is the fourth in John's selection of those. The, chapter tells the story briefly of the sign 
and of the controversy that it raised, this healing that took place and the rest of the chapter uh, Jesus dealt with uh, the hostility and the controversy that uh, happened afterwards. The sign was spontaneous on the part of Jesus. The first sign he wrought in uh, was in response to a request from his mother. Chapter 2, the wedding at Cana of Galilee. There was a request for, for wine. The second sign was spontaneous when he came in and he cleansed the temple, also in chapter 2. The third sign came as a result of a request, or a rich man, a royal uh, official came and says my boy is uh, very sick and uh, Jesus was also in Cana during that time while the sick boy was in Capernaum but uh, he could heal as well whether he's there or not uh, but that was a request and now this fourth sign is, uh, is spontaneous so there seems to be, John is selecting his, uh, his requests, spontaneous, requests, spontaneous. So we've come to this, uh, uh, this sign here. The, the first sign was in the realm of creation and joy. It was turning water into wine. It was a, a kind of a direct intervention against the very laws of nature itself. And it was a joyful moment. The, uh, the second sign is the realm of worship in the temple as he came and he cleansed it. We discover that by uh, the fact, um, sorry, the third was in the realm of suffering and disease. And then this sign, this fourth sign, is in the realm of the moral. It's in the moral realm. We discover that in verse 14. Uh, Jesus, when he went to the temple and he met the man there in our text, he said, See, you are well. You've been made whole. Uh, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So Jesus connected somehow his situation with something, some things he was doing, some sinning that was going on in his life. Tonight I want to talk to us a little bit about wholeness. About wholeness. And the title of the message is simply Get Up. Now I want you to remain seated. But uh, uh, Too often we carry with us a victim mentality. And, and do not always tap into the life and victory that Jesus provides for us. We need to hear an old word tonight in a new way. Get up. And there are three things from this story of this man at the pool of Bethesda that I would like to share with us tonight. The first is that being down does not have to be a life sentence. Hello? You hear me? Being down does not have to be a life sentence. We are not a Good Friday kind of people. Our walk is not about suffering that is endless. It is about resurrection. 
It is about resurrection over and over again. That is in spite of all the odds against us. It is about being able to get up and move on. Amen. No matter how difficult it is. We learn that and we get our inspiration from Jesus himself. He suffered. He died. But he got up. Our Lord's suffering, it was brutal, it was bloody, it was almost unbearable. Yet he got up. Jesus should serve us tonight as inspiration. And sometimes uh, we're, we're not immune of being down. I want you to know that. This is, uh, we're not talking of super saints here. Amen. We all get down sometimes, but it's, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. I'm not a motivational speaker, and I have no, no, no charms about that, but tonight, I want to encourage us. If you're, uh, I had a friend back in L.A., he would say, I'm in the funk. That's what he would call it. I'm in the funk. F-U-N-K. Let me make that very clear tonight. <clears throat> that means life was flat. Uh, things were just not going well. He was always, you know, just kind of spinning his wheels. And, and uh, my job was to help him get out of the funk. And that's what pastors do. You better believe it. Amen. Now, no matter how hard the struggle or how dark the journey, no matter how painful a situation, Jesus, I believe, has equipped us to get up. This man in our story tonight, this man was in his situation for 38 years. And, and I believe his mentality was that this was a life sentence for him. He, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think he believed that he could get well. He had practiced the art of whining. He knew it well. And again, this is spelled with H, not an I. W, not W-I, but W-H. He had adjusted to his condition. He had mastered the art, as I said, of whining. Like this man, we sometimes get caught up being buried beneath our problems and our issues, and we get comfortable in them. We begin to assume how each rotten day will feel. We get used to feeling depressed. We get used to people being concerned about us. And we like it. We like the attention, but we're still down. We, we get used to not doing what Jesus has asked us to do because we have a built-in excuse. At least this man did. Whenever I try to get into the water, somebody just pushes me aside. 
It is like being in prison. I, I, I wonder why the, the, one of the reasons why some of the same folks go back to prison over and over again. Is it because some of them get comfortable in prison? They put up posters and pictures, not to remind themselves of home, but to make themselves feel at home. And sometimes we can get so down, we begin to think that's the norm. It's not the norm. It's not a life sentence. We, uh, you see, they know the environment. They know they have a place to sleep, food to eat. They, they don't have to take risk, uh, to risk rejection. They don't have to worry about finding a job or about raising their kids there at home. That kind of thinking, though, is what I call tomb thinking. In a tomb. And the sad thing is that people get comfortable in their tombs. But Jesus got out of his, and so he can help us get out of ours. There's some here tonight that may be struggling with some issues. Where, where I come from, they taught us issues. I have learned to say issues here in America, but issues. Some of you may have some issues that you're dealing with. Maybe it's fear of graduating and taking your first assignment or uh, the fear of maybe you'll succeed and <laughs> you're not sure <laughs> what you'll do with that. Maybe it's depression, uh, physical illness, or maybe it's a bad childhood, economic hardships, relationships that are not going too well right now. Maybe it's something as serious as pornography. And you're not seeing your way out. It's an addiction now. And we say, etc., etc., etc. You can put whatever it is that is keeping you down. Life can kick us around. It, it can kick us so badly that down looks like up. But being down does not have to be a life sentence. Jesus has shown us that the stones are not big enough to keep us entombed. Amen. But the question is, do you want to be made whole? That's the question that Jesus asks the man. Jesus, in a sense, saw that his condition was not that his legs were crippled, but in a sense his mind was crippled. He had become comfortable in his whining, and for 38 years. Which takes us to the second thing I want to share with you. The second truth tonight is, is, is what we say, we want, uh, we want to, uh, do we want wholeness? Or if we want wholeness, we must, if we want to experience wholeness, let me slow down, we must want it. If we want to experience wholeness, we must want it. You see, the pool of Bethesda, surrounded by five magnificent colonnades, was a haven for those who were disabled. 
the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the withered. Among the company of the disabled is one man that caught the attention of Jesus. And it was not because he was saying, help me. He did not put up some sign and say, here, come this way, Jesus. I am more desperate than these other than the others. Among these was this man that caught the master's attention. It was not because of a request for help, but rather it was, the spont it was spontaneous on the part of our Lord. Thirty-eight years is a long time, and I believe he must have lost all hope of ever being made whole. He was used to being sick. He was used to not being able to live and work and be productive. His mind was just as crippled as his legs. Jesus asked him a direct question. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to get well? The question was not whether he had decided to get well. Resolved that I'm going to get out of this situation. That was not the question at all. The question was not whether he willed to be made whole. It was a question not of volition, but of desire. Do you desire to get out of your funk? I like that word. <laughs> Do you want to be made whole? The man's answer was a protest. And I find that even fascinating. He's protesting. As though he had said, why in the world would you ask me such a question? Why would you ask me a question like that? Can't you see my condition? Do you know how long I've been here? 38 years is a long time. So he's protesting. And then he goes into his whining. Sir... I have no man. When the water is, is, is troubled to put me into the pool, which simply meant, what do you mean by asking me that question? Of course I want to be made whole. But what chance do I have? I have no one to help me. Are you, you know... Are you being sarcastic? Of course I want to get out of here, but I have nobody. He had lost hope. When we lose the drive and the hope to do what God wants us to do, we're as much as crippled emotionally and mentally as this man was crippled physically. So Jesus gave him a very sharp command. Jesus was not going to beat around the bush with him. He was not going to debate his merits of injustice. He wasn't going to say, poor guy, you have all of that documented? I mean, you've done some field research on that. And how many people have, you, have gone ahead of you during those 38 years? And, and did anybody try? Did you, did you get a lawyer? Did you, I mean, he did not. He gave him a very sharp, very sharp command. He says, get up. I think Jesus was probably a little bit annoyed with his whining. He was human, you know. 
Don't you get annoyed when folks start whining and you can see that, the, uh, that they're not doing what grown people ought to do? When, when, when grown people ought to do what grown people ought to do in getting their lives together and you're, they, they just want to be babied, I get annoyed with them. Maybe I shouldn't, but I do. <laughs> Arise! Take up your bed and walk. Get up! Take up your bed, your pallet, and walk. Don't, don't, don't stay here. Don't, 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 don't stay in this pitiful condition. And, and I think Jesus says, Arise, because I want you to do the thing you cannot do, because I tell you to do it. He couldn't walk. Arise, do what I'm asking you to do because you cannot do it. And when he says, take up your bed, he says, make no provisions for a relapse. Take up your bed, you're getting out of here. And then when he said to him, walk, he says, do not expect to be carried. Nobody's going to carry you out of here. Your time has come. Your miracle has arrived. Get up. Take up your bed and walk. So we have to want wholeness to experience wholeness tonight. By now, some of you are saying, I'm having second thoughts about coming to NBC. Did I make a mistake? Did God make a mistake? Am I really called to do this? Folks, if you're called, amen, and I believe you are, amen. You've got to want to succeed so bad in what God has called you to do that nothing will hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. Not hardship, not economic hardship, not illness, amen. Come on now. Whatever is broken, he'll help you fix it so that you can respond to his call. You've got to want to be made whole, to experience wholeness. And I, I, I tell you, he'll, we live in resurrection. We live, on, we live on Easter Sunday, not Good Friday. Amen. Hallelujah. The third thing tonight, not only do, 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 is the fact that being down is not a life sentence or that we, want, we have to, have to want wholeness to experience wholeness, but tonight the third thing, when he told him to get up, I believe getting up is the beginning of a new journey. The beginning of a new journey. Jesus says, get up. Had it been us, had it been one of us or us, we probably would have said to him, now if you want to be healed, roll over into this water, man. Get in, get, jump into that water if you want to get healed. Roll over into this pool and claim your wholeness, claim your blessing. Have you heard that on TV? Some? Glad you're with me tonight. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, get up. You see, the man was paralyzed, but his willingness to cling to his perceived victimization was the bigger problem. And so Jesus says, get up. Jesus saw his bigger need and said, get up. Your life is waiting on you, man. 
and nobody can live your life for you so get up and go live your life go join your life and I believe Jesus wants to say that to some of us your life is waiting for you get up and go join it and have a ball make it a journey make it an adventure amen make it as dramatic as you possibly can amen there'll be no dull moments around you I was in a little town this past week called Poto, Oklahoma. And a friend of ours pastoring there, and he has a four-year-old little girl. Her name is Emma, and there is no dull moment <laughs> around Emma. But we had a ball. First night of the revival, Emma has a little friend. His name is Brock. He's four years old. He said, Brock, come here, Brock. Brock, I say, come here, Brock. So Brock is kind of sheepish. She doesn't know who I am. And uh, Brock, come on, Brock. Now she's four. And when he comes, uh, kind of looking down, he says, Brock, Joe Warrington. Meet Joe Warrington, Brock. She's ahead of her time. There's no dull moment around Emily. There is no dull moment when you journey with someone that is filled with resurrection power to get you out of being down and to look to him always for clear direction it's a beautiful journey uh, my um, my wife we were talking about this message this morning and, and uh, I was looking for a little illustration about getting up and she helped me a little bit with that and in our conversation she tells me of a little game she played when she was just a little girl with other girls in her neighborhood it was called little Sally Walker any of you remember that? maybe not <laughs> I didn't I, I, I girl thing you see, the girls would get into a circle and they would put one little girl in the middle of a circle pretending she's sitting in a saucer. So the girls would sing, rise. Little Sally Walker sat in a saucer and cried. And the other little girls would say, rise, Sally, rise. Wipe your weeping eyes. Uh, put on. Let me, let me get this right here. Rise, Sally, rise. Put on your, put your hands on your hip and let your backbone slip. Ah, shake it to the east and shake it to the west. Ah, shake it to the one that you love the best. I love that. If you... So little Sally Walker would rise, she would get up, and then she would run around, and she would pick the one she loves the best, and that one would go sit, sit in the circle, and they would start all over again. So little Sally Walker, rise, get up. Shake to the east, and shake to the west, and shake until you become your best. Getting up is the beginning of a journey into wholeness.
There's an old movie I, I had Brother Tom King look, look it up for me and uh, give me a little piece. I, I couldn't remember where that movie came from, but he helped me in that. It's Casablanca. Remember that movie? And uh, Rick walks off with Capitan Renault across the wet runway into the midst as the movie is drawing to a close. And as they discuss what they might do together with the 10,000 francs, about a value of $300, the payment due on their earlier bet over whether or not Laszlo would get out of Casablanca. And in the closing, in the fog, brings another great uh, uh, classic little sentence that uh, I was looking for. And it simply said, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful relationship. I think when we get up, it's the beginning of a beautiful relationship. So get up. Get up. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for time in chapel tonight. Might there be someone tonight who is really struggling? And it looks like they're in a tomb. And they can't see their way. Things are foggy right now. And they're crying out to you, oh God, help me. I pray right now that you'd lift that veil. Roll that stone away. And begin a beautiful thing together. Tonight, we praise you. Thank you. We want to celebrate you tonight. We want to celebrate resurrection, aliveness, victory, glory, your presence in our lives. Thank you for bringing each one of us to this place. And thank you for all that you have for us in the days and months, years ahead. Give you all the praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You're going to say amen. Praise God.